It's the Craig Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the first game in the Rainbow Cup that's actually happening. It's really happening. We're playing against Ulster on Friday night and on, on this evening's call, I've got William Davis. Hello, good evening. Lily McKenzie. Evening. And uh, the newly married man, Danny Deegan. How's it going? We'll talk about that in a little while. Um, let's go straight to the press conference. <laughs> uh, who do we have today, William? Uh, we had uh, Finley Bealham was the player, and we had Andy Friend and also Jimmy Duffy. You know, those Irish enterprises, they're, they're always fierce and fiery encounters, and um, I suppose having a couple of weeks off and to digest what had happened against Leicester and for us to, to be playing Ulster, um, you know, that's nice. But uh, look, it's... Look, we've had some really good conversations, the proper conversations that we needed to have. And um, look, we're in a good frame of mind for, no matter who we would have been playing. And of course, Ulster are now playing Leicester in the semi-final. So you, you might feel you owe Ulster an extra one for that because they've got to, to where you wanted to be in the, in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, like when we were in that Challenge Cup, like we had every intention of, of going all the way and um, to not put our best foot forward to be knocked out you know, before the quarterfinals was... You know, it's deeply, uh, deeply annoying, and um, but it is what it is. And like I said, we've had the proper conversations to make sure that we're all on the same level and um, make sure we're ready to go for for Friday night. Uh, since we last saw you at a press conference, Jimmy, uh, very recently you've uh, announced this will be your final season at Connacht for the current time being. So, uh, can you just give me a sense why you've made that decision and what you're what you're looking forward to going forward? Um, I suppose number one, William, it was it was a really difficult decision. It's it's been not alone my life, but my, my family's life for best part of twenty four years. So look, it it wasn't taken lightly. Um, for me, it was just like thoroughly enjoyed every second here. Um, I just felt I needed a little bit of a new challenge, to be honest with you. Um, I just need to stretch myself in in probably a different environment and and see what that looks like. And you know, said it's a big venture for not not alone I, but the the family also. Andy, the, the Leicester performance was was a very poor at times and a very poor disappointing result. So where are you now in terms of the Rainbow Cup starting with a tough interprovincial on uh, Friday evening? It was disappointing, William. And, and you know, the, the hard thing with rugby is you're as good as your last game and that wasn't a good one. So that's been sitting with all of us since then. Um, and the two games preceding that, we weren't at our best either. So it, it, it's been a... It's been a tricky period this last one because we know we wanted our best and we're all actually looking forward to getting stuck into this new Rainbow Cup um, or whatever it looks like. So Ulster on Friday night, that gives us our next opportunity. The energy around the group's been good. Feeling around the group's been good. Um, yeah, and we can't wait to get up there to, to Kingspan and have a, have a shot. Is the danger in a game like this you won't actually know fully where you're at until the match kicks off? Yeah, I think we've got a. Well, we know where we're at when we're when things are on song. You know, when our when our defence is is getting hard off the line, and when our attacks um, players are running onto the ball, and we're, we're we're managing the game in the right direction, and and our set pieces on top, we know exactly what we can produce. And the disappointing thing is, in all little areas, we haven't been at our best the last few weeks. I say the last few weeks it's been over the course of six weeks, but there's been three games in that six weeks, so. And then the next thing is it's it's been piecey because it's you know normally if you had a bad performance, the next weekend you get a chance to come out 
and try and right that. But as we know, this season hasn't been normal. So um, we know what we can produce and we know when we've produced that, we've, we've made life difficult for Ulster in the past when we haven't. And that happened at the sports ground here earlier in the year. Um, they managed to get the win. So we've got to make sure that we put out our best performance um, and that's our intention to go and do that. Okay, there's some of the highlights from the press conference. If you want to get the full press conference, you know where to go, our Patreon page, patreon.com slash craggyrugby. If you want to hear the, the, the full press conference, the radio section of it at least. Um, yeah, Lindy, we're losing another one of our long-term coaches in Jimmy Duffy. He's been here a long time. Yeah, like Nigel, both of them have actually just grown up in Connacht, played with Galwegians, played with Connacht. And gone into coaching and they are, you know, they are the ultimate Connacht, you know, coaches through and through. But I suppose because Connacht is the only place where they have coached, they probably have come to a stage whereby they do need to fly. They, they need to fly away and, and, and gain some experience. And I think it's just, I suppose, the fact that they're both leaving at the same time. If, is it probably because their contracts are up, so they've made that decision. So look, Jimmy has Jimmy has has been probably, um, I would say, went into coaching. Remember, he was a very he was a very highly respected player. He actually played for the Barbarians, but because of an injury, he had to retire early. So he went into coaching reasonably early, and has actually really flourished, and he's held in extremely high regard. And I don't think he will have a problem finding you know an opportunity to spread his wings I, I do know that you know he he did say in press conference today he has a few a few ideas or a few sort of irons in the fire so to speak and I also know that he did comment um when we were talking to him recently actually at the Eagles match and we were having a quick chat that he hoped it would be somewhere where it was reasonably warm so that might give us all a few a few ideas of, of where he might be looking at going if he gets the opportunity yeah, so good luck to Jimmy. We're we're certainly going to miss him. He was course to forwards coach for the Pro Twelve winning side as well. So having taken over from Don McFarland, so yeah, he will be a big loss. Um, second thing that's going to happen, I don't know if you want to talk about this one, Danny, is the the new laws for the Rainbow Cup. Before we talk about the Rainbow Cup, we've got laws. We've got new laws in the Rainbow Cup. Do you do you give us a quick brief overview as you're the former referee here? <laughs> Uh, that's a long time ago, but uh, no, there's there's three new laws. Um, they've all been trialed in the Super Rugby Arturo Arturo Rugby Arturo and the Super Rugby A for the Australians, the AU, um, and they are the goal line dropout. So if the ball is held up over the line, a knock on that occurs in the goal, or when the ball is granted by a defending player uh, in the uh, try line from an attacking kick it'll be a defending team will take a dropout from anywhere uh, on the goal line so basically it's rather than on the 22 it's back on the goal line same same kind of thing uh, the ball has to travel the 5 metres um, the other one is uh, the red card red carded players are replaced by another substitute after 20 minutes and um, and the final one is the captain's challenge. This one's a little bit uh, interesting that uh, a captain can make a challenge within 20 seconds of the ref blowing his whistle in the first 75 minutes of a game. Um, but after the 75 minutes, the uh, the captain can make uh, can 
question the ref on anything on a build-up to a try. Um, but prior to that, it, it's only for, say, if there was a slight infringement, if there was an actual infringement. But after the 75 minutes, it, it gets a little bit broader. Uh, and injury time is included in that. Right. William, you must be ecstatic about that. Not only do we have this fabled Rainbow Cup, but now we've got some new laws for you to get your head around as you commentate. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think this is a mess. I think it's totally the wrong time to bring this in. Um, you've got a situation, uh, Ulster, Connacht on Friday night, Ulster will be able to play under these laws the following week when they're in a Challenge Cup semi-final against Leicester. They won't be able to. Uh I don't. I'm not sure. I like. I'm not sure. I like any of them. I think I understand the idea of the 22 dropout being replaced by a goal line kick. That it means that the defensive team uh, lose 20 meters, so that it helps the attacking team. My slight complaint is a lot of the holdups on the goal line are illegal, and they're not refereed. It, it's invariably the player that finishes up getting his hands under the ball always seems to have come in from the side. So you wonder, are referees going to actually referee this, the the hold-up of the ball? Are they going to go to the TMO and say, did the player holding up the ball legally do that? Or is he just going to say, yep, okay, everybody go back. We're going to give the defending team a dropout. Uh, the red card situation will have to be nuanced. Because at the moment, as I read it, if you're sent off for poking somebody in the eye, you can still be replaced after 20 minutes. Uh, that's not acceptable. It, they're going to have to get into if it's a rugby accident, if it's a high tackle that's been caused by an accident. But that means that referees are going to have to be given back the ability to make decisions on intent, which at the moment they're not really allowed. Intent has been taken away. It used to be a case of, well, he didn't really mean that, so I'm not going to card him. Now they just have to card them. Uh, Captain's challenge. Similarly, I think it's a slippery slope. Uh, referees are under enough pressure. We hear it on the uh, uh, the referees' mic. I mean, they've got players shouting at them constantly about offside, in from the side. It's It never stops during a game, though. And the only time a referee is really allowed to... A uh, captain is allowed to talk to a referee is he can ask for an interpretation of the decision. Why, why, why were we penalised? It's a more difficult one when somebody goes over to the referee and says, I think you got that wrong. Mm-hmm. or your TMO got it wrong, and I want you to look at it again. And I'm completely baffled by this idea of 75 minutes and then the last five minutes. Uh, the game is slow enough as it is, and these TMO referrals, if they become part of the game, they'll go on forever because the TMO will have to then make almost make sure that the captain understands why the decision hasn't been given. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll just see. It's it's very different, but I think it's very odd to bring it in at the, at the end of our season uh, and to bring it in with a week and a bit's notice and to have teams who will play under it one week and not under it the next week because of European, uh, because they're because they're in Europe. Uh, it's and it's going to lead to confusion. You 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 can just tell it's going to lead to confusion. Something will happen on Friday night, and you'll think, what is going on? So Danny has something just yeah, just go. just on on that like come from the game uh, to do with the red cards. Um, to be honest, I think if a re- if you're getting a red card, you're getting a red card. It it should be the end of it. Like you're clearly doing something wrong. And uh, to me, I don't I don't quite understand that law. 
whatever about the other two, they, they, that's that's the law that kind of confuses me because they're all the whole thing about it at the moment is player welfare and looking after players and looking after say head knocks and stuff. And now this is kind of just given. Oh, you've just taken that guy's head off. Yeah, your your team is down for twenty minutes, but sure, who really cares? You know, it's only twenty minutes. It's not like it's forty. It 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 to me, it's not enough of a punishment. It's not enough of a deterrent. Yeah, you know? I, I, I think where I, where I run a scenario, I will say it's a Connacht scenario. Mm. A player high tackles Jack Carty. Mm. He gets sent off. Uh, Jack Carty goes off, fails a HIA, or can't come back on. Mm. So Connacht are now down their number one out half. 20 minutes later, the opposition go back to full strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that player who was sent off might get a three-match ban on Tuesday when he does his disciplinary hearing. But on the night in question, Connacht have been have lost a good player. And that could be any team losing a good player or... And it could and be it, the other way around. Connacht could, could do course the same thing. Be, exactly. And that's what looks very odd, that you're... Are you going to have a situation that some red cards are different? Uh, is there going to be a red card that it's it's very it's an odd one? I understand the rugby accident idea. I just don't like it. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think it opens itself up to so many variables for which there is no clear cut decision really available. You know, whatever about the goal line kick. That's, you know, I I don't have a major issue with that at all. But I think the interpretation when it comes to the red card is going to become so much, have to be so much more clinically correct. And is that possible? So do we have a situation whereby we introduce a third card, (laughs) which is really a real red card sending off that they don't come back? A purple card whereby it's kind of in between a yellow card and a red. I'm not, I, I, I just... I, I just kind of think it's a slippery slope and it's opening up so many variables, stopping the game for so, this is, if, and it, with the captain's challenge as well, stopping the game is actually, you're going to lose your audience invariably because people are going to get, okay, they might get up if they're at home and go out and put the kettle on or make a cup of tea or do whatever, but it's going to, it is going to slow the game down. It's, it's not going to become as entertaining. I think, I think that has to really be revisited. I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about the, the challenge of the captain. I think the captain should have every right every time a decision is made to question it and be treated with respect. If his case is valid, then yes, you could revisit it and look look at the, the video. You also get the situation where you're going to have different types of captains. You could have a captain who's the captain of an international side, and you could have a captain who's really quite a young captain, maybe doing the job in place of the captain, who is not treated sometimes with the same respect that someone of of a of a, a you know who's more well known could be. So I think I think it's just. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure about how that would work at all. I think it's going to be one of those ones that we'll just have to wait and see. But I'd, I'd, um, I'd agree with you guys. I'm, I'm not keen on the red card one um, at all. Whatever about the the other two. Let's, um, let's just wait and see. So before we talk about Ulster, William, the women didn't do quite as well against France as they had done uh, the previous week against Wales. Unfortunately, your thoughts. No. Yeah, it was disappointing for them. There was a gulf in class there, really. Um, France's physicality, but I think their skill set was what really stood out to me. Their offloading, their decision-making. 
once they get on top of you, that French side is very, very strong. It'll be interesting to see. I think England will play them in a completely different way at the weekend in what is effectively the Six Nations final. I think they'll they'll shut off their ball supply and they'll, they won't play any rugby in their own half England. They'll get that ball moved all the time. But it was a tough, tough day at the office. They've... They've, they're going to have to learn from this. I think the IRF, you're going to have to look at it, that there is just a gulf in class in terms of the fact the French are semi-professional, England are professional, New Zealand are professional. And there's a different pathway for women's rugby, I think, in France. They start much younger. A lot of the Ireland uh, women have transferred over from other sports. They haven't played rugby as long. So it's just it's just one of those scenarios for them but it's it's tough and they have a big game now this Italy game is huge for them because they need to know where they're at before the World Cup qualifiers uh, Italy have had a you know they lost 67-3 to England and looked utterly clueless and then they went to Murrayfield and beat Scotland pretty handily playing some pretty good rugby I saw bits of that um, big challenge for Ireland match at the moment probably is going to be held in Dublin because it's supposed to be held in Italy but because of COVID and quarantines and regulations. So I'm looking forward to it wherever it's played. And I just hope they're, I hope, I think they want to play better. I think the other thing was Ireland didn't play well in that game. And if you're going to win or put in a performance against France, you have to be at 100%. But they need to be better as well against Italy. We look, look forward to it. And they'll know a lot more about themselves when it's played. They most certainly will, and we wish them all the best um, on that front. Okay, so yeah. just on that, just a quick question: Isn't the women's game supposed to be turning professional in well, twenty uh, well, twenty the... two? There's a suggestion that with with or without Ireland. I think I think World World Rugby have a um, a plan in place for all of the top international women's sides to play more rugby, mm-hmm. but I I think you're still going to find a gap in terms of what what finance is available um, to actually let professional or even semi-professional come through. I think the danger is if you keep uh, that, if the gap that's already there will just get wider because professional players will just get better, fitter and stronger because that's what they do all day. So it's it's something that they need to tackle. I'm not sure them. I don't think the money is here in Ireland. I certainly know it's not available in Wales or Scotland. I see a wonderful opening, actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I see it. I see it as a wonderful opening for, for you know, to develop women's rugby and and women in sport. And I'm sure there must be loads of organisation and companies out there who would be delighted to jump on board. Yes, let's hope so. Let's hope so because um, it's certainly something that we're pretty passionate about on this podcast to support the women's game as much as we can. I think the problem is. What they'll turn professional is the sevens. Yeah. I think sevens will be seen as the future. And I think 15 aside, women's rugby will start to struggle given time. Sorry, that might the be Olympics. the case, but they have to make a decision. Do they want to have women's rugby? Do they want to have them competing or do they not? So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't be sitting on the sidelines saying, well, you know, we're just going to get hammered by, you know, 80 points to, to 15 against professional sides like England or France or whoever else becomes professional. So, or do you have two te- or do you have two tier structures? Do you have a professional game with maybe only about two or three or four, you know, Australia, New Zealand maybe playing in it? And, and you know, so something, you have to make a decision whether you're either in totally or, or you're out. 
you know and i and i just don't think it would be fair if the if the game goes professional on an international level to turn around to your irish these irish women and all these irish schoolgirls and who are playing the game who want to have that opportunity to play professional sport like the men have for many years that they don't have that opportunity and i am sure that there is enough nows in this country enough money in this country and enough governance in this country to be able to organize that that is yeah, the challenge I agree. I think that's 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 excellent, Lindy, and we'll definitely back that as much as we can because I think it's so so important that that uh, women in sport get as much exposure to whatever it is they need from a sporting point of view to show their talents just as much as men. I, you know, I don't see why not. Um, you know, I'm looking like at Danny here now, newly married and everything. Um, but like his sister had to stop playing rugby when she was 12 because there was no, at the time, there was nowhere for her to, to play, his twin sister. So, you know, it went from she was able to play minis and then had to stop. And my, the, the, the little team I was coaching, we had four girls in the in the team because they all wanted to play and they all had to stop because that was it. There was only four of them. There was nowhere else. But thankfully, thankfully, that's changed. And there's a lot of um, young girls able to play rugby right through the ages. And I think we're going to hopefully see in the next five or six years more people coming through um the likes of Baven Parsons from from Connacht who's a, still a superstar even after the struggles of last weekend um and then she'll inspire more and more people and I saw you know Brian O'Discoe was talking about it saying that you know he sat down to watch the game last week with his son for the first time and his son went wow women play rugby and he admitted I'm part of the problem I need to be able to go out and do it because my daughter wants to play and, and I want to encourage her to play a what's a great game um, and shouldn't just be male dominated. So, yeah. You know, I think I think it's an opportunity for for the rugby community, you know, to look at themselves. I mean, you you only have to look at the GEA to realise that in the past as well with with women's football and camogie, it was always second secondary to the hurling and to the football. Why on earth, instead of having you know on All Island final day, you have the two men's teams playing the minors and and the mm. seniors? Why don't you have the women's senior and the women's men on the same day? And and I always and I always found that such a shame that you would go up to to Croke Park on this day and which is such an exciting day to see two teams playing and then you go up for the the ladies final and you know it would be half empty and I don't think that's I don't think that's fair on the on the women who are putting in so much time. So I think if they can grow and they can change, you know, I think I think the rugby, you know, can follow suit because you are going to get some brilliant players who who want to play sport and want to play at the highest level who will move into this professionalism of of Irish rugby. Let's hope it happens and let's hope it happens sooner rather than later. Okay. Let's talk about Ulster in this Rainbow Cup. This will be the fourth if I'm right, I might be wrong, but I think it's the fourth different professional competition Connacht will have taken part in. You've got the Celtic League that turned into the Magners League, which turned into, oh, I can't remember all the bloody names. Oh. And then you had the and you've the European Challenge and European Cup, I count them as the same, they're European competitions. And then, of course, we had one season in the Celtic Cup. Um, this is new, Rainbow Cup. And at the moment... It looks like it's just an Interpro series for us because we don't know who we're playing after the third week. Um, but Ulster, Danny, what have you got for us on Ulster? Um, yeah, uh, Ravenhill or uh, Kingspan is not a good hunting ground, as we know for us. 
Um, and we also did not do well um, at the game that we hosted to Ulster in the sports ground. Um, they were also flying high, only losing two games in the Pro 14 this season. Um, so it's going to be a big ask for Connacht to go up and win. But um, look, go, going into the, the stats, looking at a couple of things, um, I think somewhere where Ulster are weak is their discipline. Um, they've, they, we've, we've conceded similar amount of penalties. Uh, Connacht have conceded 176 penalties to Ulster's uh, 179 over the season. But the difference is um, Ulster have been given 13 yellow cards. Connacht have only been given six. So it'll be a case of what actually happens and what, what, what kind of penalties are given away. Um, be fascinating to see when he, how many points they gave away in those yellow card periods because I know we struggled to score in those yellow card periods but it'll be interesting to see what they give away um, William Andy wasn't didn't sound very happy today um, with the performances certainly the last two performances seemed to have gotten each one was slightly worse than the other and I was just looking back we, we keep hearing about how young a team we are and that we're you know, we're developing and young and I'm thinking, well, there's 12 guys who've got 100 Connacht caps and there's another guy about to do to do so in, in Shane Delahunt. That's a lot of players. That's that's nearly a third of the guys who have ever scored, played 100 times for Connacht. Um, we need we need a bit more from them, don't we? Yeah, I think I think they've they've lost four in a row. Um, and they've probably got progressively uh, worse performances. Uh you know, I, I don't have much issue with the performance in, in Limerick against Munster. No. Three-point defeat. They got very close. Edinburgh was a last-minute steal for Edinburgh. But I think there was real frustration after the Scarlets, and they thought they could fix it for Leicester, and they didn't. The, and the Leicester defeat really seems to have resonated. Um thought it was interesting today. Andy Friend was, was pretty blunt. He said, you know, Le- uh, Leicester had a bunch of kids playing and they showed us and some of our senior players how to play rugby and how to make decisions because Connor got back to within two points twice in that game in the second half, having been really poor in the first half, but they just couldn't see it out. And I think the feeling is that they they don't really know until they get on the field on Friday night, whether they've cleared all this stuff out of their heads Um and I think they're going to have to be really up for this because I, I don't think Ulster Ulster are not interested in the Rainbow Cup per se. I think they are focused on the European Challenge Cup. They have a, another away game. It's an away semi-final to Leicester. And then it's if they can win that, it's either Bath or Montpellier in the final. And they want a final. But they haven't played rugby for... They've had a week off, like all the teams. And I would suggest that it'll be a mix-and-match side uh, that Dan McFarlane puts out, but he'll have them ready to roll because he'll be saying, "Yeah, there's a possibility you might get a go against Leicester in the semi-final." Yeah. They're going to have to be on their on their metal. There's no there's no option. Otherwise, it could be another very very difficult night. And then it rolls on. It's it, it, you know you've Leicester or Le- Leicester. It's Leinster and Munster. It's it's you couldn't get a harder start to this. It's a funny time of the year for it. Uh, but they're still into pro games, and there's Ireland possibilities on the horizon if this tour to the uh, 
the islands goes ahead. We, we don't know whether that will happen, uh, but there's no COVID in Fiji or Tonga and it's been mooted that Ireland could get there to play games uh, and there's Alliance Tour. So the spaces in that Ireland uh, team, if, if it's picked, and you need to perform in these inter-pro games. You, you've got to forget about the final three rounds of, of the Rainbow Cup. Concentrate on what's happening right now. Yeah. Lindley, have you, you know, have you seen us deteriorate at this stage of the season quite as badly as we have done this season? I'm not sure if it's a real deterioration or just an inconsistency. You know, mm. yes, maybe the from highs to lows are, are more sharp or more sort of defined or whatever. But I... Uh, look, I, I don't really know what the answer is. I I do know that a lot of it I just think is mental. I'm I'm convinced of it, you know. And um, I think they possibly possibly maybe they looked at that team of Leicester and 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 did say these are this isn't their 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 first team. This is a a team as as Andy Brand referred to today as as kids, you know. Um, I think as well, look, Connor are always going to struggle because of the numbers in their squads compared to a lot of other teams. And when I talk about the numbers, I'm not necessarily talking about the entirety of the squads, but the amount of possibly what we would consider first team Leinster equivalent players. And I think you take a few out of that, even the likes of Quinn Roo. Um, and when you go into a game, you didn't have, you know, you also were missing, who else were you missing? Jared Butler. Um, Bundy. Bundy. When you take, we are more affected when we take those numbers of players out because we maybe just don't have that experience. And I know there is a lot of caps there, but maybe they haven't had that experience of leadership and they have grown up um looking up to those the types of those three players to 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 bring them up to drag them along or bring them up to a level and i just think that you know it's hard to blame people or individuals but i think as a collective yes they let themselves down and i think that's one good thing about going into ulster because they will have been given a kick up the arse by andy friend and the coaches they cannot take this game for granted. They know it's difficult going up there. We know that Dan McFarlane will not ever want to lose and will never forget having lost once to Connacht and once was enough for him. So it might be a good opportunity to go back into that sort of winning aggressive mode that they have displayed in the past that has worked for them when they've when they have shown that, as well as some leadership on the pitch from more experienced guys who can who can just bring them along with them, and I think you know it's it maybe has come at a good time because maybe we were all sort of lulled into this sort of false sense of security about Connacht, you know that yes we can play brilliantly but take a few players out and it's not quite the same. Indeed, indeed. Okay, Danny, Connor gonna win. Did have any chance? What do you reckon? Um, I'm I'm gonna be brutally honest. I'm I I don't think we will win. Um, I think Ulster are just flying too high. Um, and we're we're in a bit of a, a, a 
troubled patch. Now, I do think it does depend on what team Ulster play and how interested they are in this because you saw what happened with us against Scarlets. You could see guys were saving themselves for Leicester and something similar might happen with them, obviously with Leicester a week later um, because there will be guys, like they will be saving themselves. Like this is this is a throwaway competition because we don't know what's going to happen with it. We only have three weeks. What what is going to happen in those in the next three weeks? You know, it's 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 a frustrating one. It certainly is. It certainly is. And just before we run out of time here, William, I'll give you a quick chance. Are you expecting another defeat up in Belfast for Connacht? Um, yes, I think Ulster will be too strong on the night. Um, I think that they actually have a real path in this season because of Europe. I'm not sure where any team like Connacht are going to be with this competition. I just think it's it's an anomalous event. Um but it's it's an opportunity for them. But I'm not I'm not sure they'll get the job done up there. Okay, and I assume Lindley you you feel something similar? Yeah, I mean well I would never say I would never say Connacht would never win up in Ravenhill having done it once in the last eighty years. <laughs> not quite as bad as that's only sixty. Well sixty, sorry, sixty. Okay. Thanks for that, Lee. Not very optimistic all around from our, our um, pundits tonight, and I'd feel the same way. So let's leave it on a <laughs> let's leave it there. Loose, cut it loose. Break out, or nothing changes. Side.